Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Brand Design Masters podcast. This is Philip Van Dusen. And today, I'm really excited because I have a very special guest, Stephen Horrigan. And Stephen is a brand strategist and brand strategy educator at the Brand Master Academy, which is not to be confused with the Brand Design Masters. And we have close names, but we're trying to keep work it out. Um, <laughs> and at the Brand Master Academy, uh, Stephen helps designers and brand builders learn the art of brand strategy, not just to enhance their own careers, but also to better help the people that they serve. And with that, I'd love to welcome Stephen. Thank you very much for having me on the show, Philip. And um you know, as I, as I mentioned to you before, and just for, for all your listeners, you know, I've, I've followed you for a long time and you've been doing such great work for the design community. So it's, it's great to see you keep doing what you're doing, man. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Coming from someone of your stature and uh, you do carry that stature, you, ha- you have some amazing content out there yourself. And we are going to dig into that and how that happened. Um, so why don't, for the benefit of our listeners, just tell us a little bit about the arc of your own professional journey. Yeah, so it's, it's got a couple of different stages. I won't bore you with the early stages because it involves finance and the stock market and, and all of that. And I had a pivot um, after the, the GFC. I used to, to do a lot of work on, on companies in terms of their, their figures in the, in the finance space. And I used to look at their brochures and I'd be like, you know, th- this content is so dry. It made me, it repelled oh, repel from it, you know. But, you know, when I did see one that, that really looked great, I was like, I love this. And, you know, it's something that I always had an interest in. And after uh, GFC, you know, there was this, there was this, you know, thing in the finance industry. And I was only starting my career, I was, I was young in my career. Um, and I was like, do, do I really want to be doing this? And, and the answer was no. So I had an opportunity then to pivot and I asked myself a question, what do I like to do? And I used to always play around with Photoshop and, and Illustrator just in my own spare time to do you know, invitations and you know, funny pictures and stuff like that. I'd spend hours just, just playing around. So I was like, I, I love this. So, so let's, let's get into design. So I, I retrained in design. And from that point, I took the, the same journey that I would say most designers take. So I did the internship. I did the, you know, the, the junior design roles, uh, you know, both in-house and agency. And I kind of started to climb the ladders in the agency side of things. And then I went out on my own. I started to freelance. And I was doing that for a couple of years. And at the start, it was kind of easy. I had a lot of referrals and I was kind of relying on that stuff. And I was, I was um, you know, doing some contracting work. And all of a sudden, everything dried up. All of my jobs dried up. You know, you have those feast and famine times, but this time it was, it was like very sudden and it was very abrupt and there was nothing on the horizon. So I was like, well, you know, I got to learn how to market myself. Um, and that's when I realized that the market was full of sharks. It was full of people, you know, charging their services at a prices that I simply couldn't compete with. And I had a lot of, uh, you know, a prospective client saying to me, listen, I can't pay those prices. I can get it done over here for much less. And I realized then that I, that I had a problem. And I started to, to kind of take a step back and look at, you know, how could I differentiate myself? And just differentiation, that kind of led me down the path of the, the fundamentals of branding, the fundamentals of brand strategy. And that just kind of opened up a door for me that's never been closed. It opened up this 
new world for me. And I was fascinated. I became obsessed about it. And, uh, you know, that's what I did for years and years. I, I just digested everything I could, articles, books, videos. And I eventually learned to put together uh, uh, processes and systems to, you know, to build brands with a bit more strategy involved. At first, I didn't charge for this. I was just, I was just adding it on as value add to my logo design clients, my identity design clients. But over, it, there became a tipping point where I was like, Look, the stuff that I'm putting out there is good. It's 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 much better than than what they're paying for. I need to separate this as a standalone service, and that's when I I, I separated my strategy and my design uh, my design uh, services. And I I've got a lot of design friends who were kind of on the same journey as me in the same industry, kind of having the same struggles. And we used to catch up for beers and stuff. And I talked to them about what I was doing. They're like, "That's that's a great idea," and they they started kind of going down the road. And I, I noticed that they came back to me more and more to ask more and more questions. So I got this kind of thirst for teaching and education. So I was like, okay, well, look, you know, this is what you do. This is the structure that you use. So the structure that I built for strategy then became a structure for teaching what I was doing. And that kind of led into uh, Brandmaster Academy, me, you know, putting together um, this education uh, platform where I'm teaching what I've learned where I'm teaching the processes of brand strategy so that designers can learn to serve their clients on a higher level and differentiate themselves, which is key, differentiate themselves from all those other designers selling logos and brochures and websites, you know, at really low cost levels that you can't really compete with. So that's where I am today. I'm, I'm focusing a lot of time on Brandmaster Academy, on building that out, on, on putting content out there for uh, my audience, and that's that's where I put a lot of my effort today. So, where are you? Where are you showing up in terms of your your content output? Yeah, so I show up uh, mostly on YouTube. Um, I, I was writing content for a while, and I really enjoy writing content, but I find it takes longer, and you don't get to connect as well with your audience. Um, there's 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 more of an art to it. It's it's more about the the strategic placements of words. Whereas when you're on video, um, you know, you, you get to be a lot more personal. You get to be show your personality a bit more. So YouTube is where I am, um, you know, where I put most of my efforts. And then I use that as pillar content and I distribute snippets of that across um, my social channels. So Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. And I also use that pillar content for uh, carousels as well. So I'll design some carousels and stuff like that. So I'm across most uh, social channels um, without spreading myself too thin. Uh, but YouTube is where you'll find me most and probably where you'll get most value from me. So all of that, you know, that's admirable that you're, you're content repurposing so, so strategically and so, um, so well. How do you, and I know personally how labor intensive that is. Um, do you have a team that helps you do that? Yes. Yes, I do. So I've got a, a small team um, and they help me with distribution. So I'll record uh, the content. They'll help me with editing. They'll help me with uh, repurposing and distribution as well. I haven't let go of of absolutely everything. I'm still kind of in the trenches with emails and support and stuff like that. And it's something that I've I've got this, you know, I'm I'm of the idea that to build a business you need to build systems and you need to let go of a lot of things. 
Uh, but support and the connection with my audience is not something that I'm prepared to let go of just yet. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you're building a personal brand. So the force of personality has got to come yes, through. And that's absolutely. one of the magnetic things about you. You know, we're, we're living in the creative economy right now. I mean, the needs for creativity and creative product are touching every business now. Every business needs to be an agency to an extent. So would you say that now, you know, you have a, a, a good insight into the education of designers and, and as you said, that uh, commoditization of design in the marketplace and the pressure that designers are under. Would you say that now is still a good time to be a creative professional or a designer? Yes, absolutely. Look, it, there are a lot out there, you know, at the end of the day. Um, but the, the, the good thing for anybody who wants to make it in their field is that most of your competitors are not actually competing. They're not actually doing what they should be doing from a, a competitive point of view. So if you just take the time to look beyond and really you know, work on yourself in terms of how you are going to be perceived in the market, then you know, you're, you're competing in a, a much different place. You're not competing with so many people. You're competing with a smaller group of people because you're being more relevant to a specific group of people. So yes, it's, I mean, look, you're a designer, Philip. I'm a designer. You know, it's, it's kind of in your DNA. It's something that you love to do. And to tell somebody, no, it's not a good time to get into design, you know, that's kind of closing the door on a dream. Like, what do I do now? Go and get an accounting job or something like that. No, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a great time to be in design. And, and the, you know, creative jobs are, 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 will become, you know, more valuable the more you have automation and, you know, artificial intelligence doing the more mundane work and you know creativity is is something that that is you know will be the last thing to to be replaced so absolutely it's it, it is a great time to to be in a creative profession you just need to be smart about how you package up what you do and how you sell what you do. What would be the advice that you'd give to someone, a creative professional designer who's just starting out right now? How would they go about finding that differentiation? Well, there's a few things that you can do. First of all, it is important to have an edge from a capabilities point of view. You know, you can't just say, you know, I'm going to be the best illustrator in the hospitality space if you can't illustrate, you know, you, there, there needs to be that, that underlying skill set there. And if you also have, you know, experience working with a particular industry or a particular group of people, or you have insights into a particular group of people, then, you know, that can kind of open up this world of you owning a very specific niche or a very specific space. But the, the overarching goal that you need to achieve is differentiation. It needs to be, you need to be more relevant to a certain group of people. You know, if you just go out there and say that you are, uh, you know, you offer creative services for small business. Now, I, I know that positioning strategy because that used to be my positioning strategy. And what I learned from that was that it's not a positioning strategy. If you think about how many businesses are out there, there are only three types of businesses. Big, medium, and small. So you're you're 
you're trying to to appeal to you know 30% probably a lot more than that probably 60% of all businesses by saying that you're for you know small businesses so you really need to take that principle and really have that as the the overarching principle to what you're trying to build you need to position yourself effectively in terms of what you do as in the services that you offer and in terms of who you do it for. So those two things combined will help you to carve out a very specific position in the market. And from there, all of your messaging becomes a lot easier. All of your your designs become a lot easier and, and you'll be able to connect with those people because you're speaking their language and you're talking about their very, very specific problems. I was having it. That's interesting. You're talking about niching down, and I was, I was, I interviewed Marty Newmeyer last night, actually, and he was talking about. His, oh wow! I know, right? It was amazing. The man. He was the man, um, and he is the man. And he, uh, he, he was talking about um, when he was first starting off and doing uh, software packaging when they were still selling discs on shelves and stuff like that, and how he niched down in the software industry and became known as the software industry packaging guy because it's a small industry, everyone talks to each other. And I was asking him, I said, you know, well, when people are niching down, at the beginning, it's hard to niche down because you need to stay alive. You need to get work. You need to do work. And not everyone who comes to your door might be from your niche. So how do you do that? And he said, well, you just, you do the work, but you don't tell anybody and you don't put it in your portfolio. So I just thought that was a really interesting perspective and a great method for you know keeping the keeping the uh, doors open, but also trying to serve that idea of niching down. Do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. And and I I don't know if I ever heard it. From, I, I've certainly heard it from Marty uh, recently that you know he he was able to kind of make a name for himself, but keep himself alive by not rejecting other jobs, and that is. You know, the, the the big fear for everybody when niching down is the idea that they're closing the door to all of this potential business. And it, it is counterintuitive, really, the idea of niching down. You're you're you know, you're trying to build a business, you're trying to get as many customers as you can, but you want to tell me that my messaging should be, well, I'm only for this certain group. And you know, that that is right, but if you do have people coming to you, it doesn't mean that just because you're working on the hospitality industry that you can't serve somebody in any other industry. If they come to you looking for a specific job, you do the work. You 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 bank the the revenue and you move on. But really what you're trying to become known for is a very, very specific niche or a very, very specific place in the market. So I I, I totally agree with that. But you know the 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 key there for anybody with that challenge of niching down is that you know niching down is not closing the door on all of this business you're still free to do that but you are just focusing on being more relevant to a very specific group and if you are consistent with that if you push through with that then in 3 years time then you could potentially become known as the go-to for people in this space that's exactly what he was saying too. He was saying how, you know, in the software industry, he became known as the packaging software guy. So when he started off doing packaging for, you know, companies like Apple at the beginning, where he was he was charging six or seven thousand dollars for a package. And then within three years, where he was the only person to go to for software packaging, he was charging sixty 
60, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. The same thing. Yeah. Which I thought was awesome. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit BYOL.me forward slash Philip. P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's B-Y-O-L dot M-E forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. You are, you know, a bona fide influencer now. And I would say as with other creative professionals coming up, content marketing is still incredibly relevant and a way to establish yourself in the market and a great way to, you know, basically do business development what was your what did you do first and then how did you grow that footprint over time and would you recommend that same kind of a pathway to people who are just starting out now um yes i would so so my my pathway was to to just throw myself in so i started to do videos um i i took a lot of, when 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 i had this epiphany that i needed to you know to to you know, distance myself from all of those other designers offering what I was offering. I kind of went down uh, this this rabbit hole of of brand strategy, but also business strategy as well. I, I read a lot of books. I took a lot of courses, and one of the courses that I that I took um, was a guy by the name of Kerwin Ray over here in Australia, who's a big influencer. He's kind of like the the Australian version of Gary V. Um, but you know, he was he. he just said, you know, uh, just start creating content. Just start, and you know, you, you've 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 heard Gary Vee talk about that as well, and and that's that's what I did. So my first videos, man, they were <laughs> they were so yeah. Tell awful. me, tell us about that. I, I oh, have my own experience with that, but I so, love to hear about yours. So I had no, I had no rig. I had like a camera. I had no tripod. I had. You know, I got this lapel mic. I, I was using furniture from all over my, my my house. I wanted to have some kind of visual to point to, so I sat beside my TV. Um, I was wearing a shirt. What was um, on the TV, Stephen? My <laughs> my logo and you know my my uh, just just stuff that I could kind of point towards. And I was so rigid. I was sitting there in in my and I look back on them now. I've done some oh. outtakes, and I would I would be like. Four biggest mistakes of entrepreneurs in in the industry. So you know, like for for anybody who thinks they can't do video or they think they can't do content, you only think that because you haven't done it. And if you think about any challenge that you have had in your life or anything that you thought that you couldn't do, and then you were kind of forced to do it, and then you realize after time, well, look, this hey, this is not so bad. And if you if you're consistent with it, you eventually find your groove. And the most important thing that I learned from that is that you eventually find your own voice. Now, there's a lot of content out there. There is, you know, there there is there are no shortage of influencers. But you know, one thing that the rest of them don't have is your voice, your unique perspective, your unique personality. And I guarantee you that there is somebody out there who doesn't like the cut of my jib doesn't like my accent, doesn't like the way I talk, but 
when if you are able to find your groove, if you're able to, you know, to, to really stay persistent with creating content long enough that you can kind of get yourself out there, then your personality will more likely resonate with a very specific group of, of people that will be more attracted to you than they will be to me. Just like you have your audience and, you know, your audience love you. And many, many of them probably cross over with Chris Doe, but there's probably a large percentage that prefer to go to your content because of the unique way that you deliver it, the unique way that you speak and your unique personality. So anybody thinking about getting into con- uh, content marketing and thinking that it's overcrowded, that there's, there's, you know, there's too many, many out there, there's not. You know, we are people and we gravitate towards other people that we like. We gravitate towards certain characteristics and certain personalities. And if you're able to couple, you're able to stay in the game long enough that you can kind of find your groove and bring out your real personality and couple that with your own ideas and your own unique point of view. Well, then, you know, you can grow to however big you want to grow. It's not too late. You just need to start and you need to get over that hump of thinking that you're not good enough and stay in the game long enough to find your groove. So, I want to ask you because at the beginning where you post that first video and we're all sweating buckets when we do that and then you know you post 5 and then there's 10 and you know you have 10 followers 10 subscribers and like at the beginning you know how did you push through that crickets moment you know where you're putting stuff out there and you're not getting a lot of traction how far how many things did you have to post before you felt like you were starting to get traction and what did that look like i started to write for brandmaster academy i i, I started to to shoot video rel- relatively early on but early earlier on when when i just started to create content i was focusing more on blog posts and you know i i learned everything i could um you know and and again my first blog posts were were terrible and i, I was just you know, I had a challenge and my challenge was, I don't know how to write. So in order to, in order to overcome that challenge, I was like, well, what, how do I write? Well, you write good headlines, you write interesting, um, you know, descriptions early on, you make sure that you have your headlines, you keep the, the, the reader interested right throughout. I didn't know that when I started off, I just took every challenge as it came to me and I, and I just learned. And, you know, I, I, I guess I also leaned on other people's confidence. So I, I did a lot of research into other uh, content creators and, you know, learning how to become not an influencer. I never had a desire to be an influencer. I had a desire to put out great content. And, you know, the more research you do, the more you come across the same messages, which, which are along the lines of, you know, just start and just do it. And over time, you'll find your groove. And I, I kind of, I kind of held on to that. I, I held on to that in, in blind faith. And then one day I wrote an article um, about brand archetypes. And today that's still number one on Google. And it just took off. And I started to get all of these uh, downloads on, on my lead magnet on that. Um, and, I, and that was a little win for me. And that little win... Uh, put everything into perspective, and it, it it kind of made me feel well. Okay, I get it. You know, I, I had a problem over here. I didn't know how to do it. I learned. I I I I didn't create anything new. I just followed. You know what what uh, people have done before me have done, 
And, and I did the same and it worked for me. And that gave me a boost of confidence that, okay, you know, I can do this stuff. I can, I can kind of uh, do other things. And then I took that into my video uh, production as well later on. Um, you know, when I started to create those videos, <laughs> different people do them differently. And I know that you kind of do them the way I do them. You do them in snippets. So you don't try to remember everything and you don't try to do it all in one take. There are people out there who... Oh, I just mess up a lot. And that's it. And that's it. And and there are people out there who do it in one take. And I yeah. tried to do that when I started to when I started with Brandmaster Academy. I was like, if I want to, to produce consistent video all the time, I can't be doing so many outtakes. So I need to do it all in one video. And I just couldn't do it. I just, you know, there were too many outtakes and I, and I eventually realized that... I need to know that the point that I'm trying to make, I focus on that and get that done, then move on to the next one. But going back to your question, how did I get through that? It was leaning on other people's confidence and doing enough research to know that look at what other people have done, look at what they tell you to do, and don't just listen to one person, listen to many different people, and then take their confidence to know that they once had no audience. They once had no following. They once never wrote a blog post or never did a video, but they just threw themselves into it. And they knew that if they stayed with it long enough, they would eventually find their groove and they would eventually find their path. So yeah, so so that's how I did it. I leaned on other people's confidence and I kind of had this, this knowledge that, okay, I'm terrible now, but it won't always be that way. That's exactly it. I think it's the the, the ability to sit in your, you know, in your discomfort as you go through that process. And I, a good friend of mine, Roberto Blake, who I'm sure you know, he's, you know, got thousands of videos on YouTube by now, but I started watching him very, very early in his career. And and I remember that like one of his first videos, he was sitting on like a futon in like a really dark apartment with like a tapestry on the wall and like one glaring light in his face. And he, you know, he was kind of like morosely talking about something in, you know, his job in design. And, and then you look at him like, a hundred videos later or 500 videos later. And it's just this incredible metamorphosis and everybody has to start that way. Everybody, you know, there's no way. And that's, I think what keeps so many people from starting is because they think that they have to start at this one particular level of finish. And so was that, a you know, was it hard for you to kind of go out there and and because you were an accomplished branding person by that point, and you, but you were now putting yourself out there in a public way, did you feel this level of pressure for performance and perfection? I didn't feel that. Uh, I didn't feel this sense of accomplishment because nobody knew who I was. All of my work was in the background. You know, I was I was doing these jobs, but and you know, working with these brands, but I wasn't telling anybody about it. So when I when I started to tell people what I knew, there was this this massive imposter syndrome of, you know, these people don't know you from Adam and, you know, who are you to be telling them what to do with their business? Do you know what I mean? So, you know, that definitely was, um, you know, an, an imposter syndrome. Listen, we all deal with it. All of us, right up to the top, right up to the very, very More top. So Albert, top, Albert Einstein. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm not there. So <laughs> when I get there, I'll, I'll let you know. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but Albert Einstein used to suffer suffer from it. You know, he couldn't he couldn't understand why so many people, you know, took his work so seriously. And I think he he referred to himself as an involuntary swindler. And you know, he he, he had this 
you know, he, he felt like a fraud. And, and, you know, that in a way never goes away. You know, there, there's, and, and, you know, look, it, it's, we all have that consciousness. Um, you know, it's louder in some people than it is in others. And it's at its loudest when you're starting off. It's at its loudest when you hit that first post and you're like, okay, what's, what's going on now? Um, and, you know, you, you, you get all these voices and, and stuff like that, but they're just voices, you know, they're not coming from anybody and they really don't exist. You know, if, if you think about it, um, you know, and, and the perception that other people have of the content that you're putting out is probably a lot better than what you think it is. And, you know, if, if you're able to kind of, if you're able to just give yourself a window, okay, just give yourself a window to fail, just give yourself 30 videos to be terrible and or 30 blog posts to be terrible and just sit in that reality that it's going to be terrible. Just give yourself that, that freedom. And then I guarantee you by the 30th video or the 30th blog post, you will look back at the first blog post and you'll go, ah, I am better. So maybe I'll give myself another 30. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that kind of, it's just that, that giving yourself a break, giving yourself a break to, to not be perfect. And, you know, you'll eventually find your path. I think one of the things also that people have a hard time with is they're like, I'm not an expert. You know, I'm not super senior in my career. What do I have to share with people? And what I tell them is, look, even if you're right out of college, you have stuff of value that you can share to people who are thinking about going to college. I mean, there's always someone who's four or five steps behind you who can really benefit from what you bring to the table. And I think that's hard for people to to realize is that there's always someone that they can help. Yeah. And, and I think one of the best ways to overcome this is to think back of when you started. Now, you might have started six months ago. You might have started five years ago. But think back to when you started and look at yourself then and ask yourself the question, what do I know now that I didn't know back then that if I had the opportunity to sit down with my younger self, what would I tell them? And write down... 30 points, okay? Now, those 30 points are going to be your first 30 days of content and go, okay, I've given myself 30 points that I know. I've given myself the confidence that I am definitely better than I was six months ago or five months ago. And even if I can help that person that's six months behind me or five years behind me with these points, then I'm doing something good. So now you've got your points. Now you've got a little bit of confidence that you know something that this other person doesn't. And now you've got giving yourself 30 days to be terrible. Go out and create those 30 pieces of content. And by the end of that, that experience, you will feel that you know, you've accomplished something, that you've come a distance and you'll have given yourself a little bit of confidence that, hey, listen, I actually do know some stuff. Hey, everyone. I'm sure you've heard lots of marketers and creative pros and content creators say these words, everything is going to video. So if you aren't already doing video, you really should be. But don't be fooled. Creating great video can be hard and super time consuming, but it doesn't have to be. I have an amazing resource my team and I use for YouTube videos and my agency's client work that totally rocks. It's called InVideo, I-N-V-I-D-E-O. InVideo is an online video editor that helps you make professional looking videos from a huge collection of templates, images, and music available to use royalty-free in your videos right on the platform. 
Within video, you can stop spending thousands of dollars on outsourcing video creation and motion graphics. You can speed up and improve your video creation and editing process with their video templates and easy-to-use interface. There's no need to spend months learning Adobe Premiere or Apple's Final Cut Pro anymore. Just go to this URL, bdmpodcast.com slash invideo. That's bdmpodcast.com slash invideo. And just for listeners of the BDM Podcast, if you use the promo code PHILIP50, that's P-H-I-L-I-P 50, you'll get a 50% discount. What? Yes, listeners of the podcast are going to get a 50% discount by using Philip 50. So make sure to check out NVIDIA today. It'll make your video production and effects a whole lot easier. Just go to bdmpodcast.com slash NVIDIA. That's bdmpodcast.com slash NVIDIA. And now back to the show. So you've, you've got a, a broad brand ecosystem and content ecosystem now. And so if there was someone who's just starting off and saying, okay, I'm going to start developing content. In your opinion, is it best to start with a blog, a YouTube channel, a podcast, uh, social media posts? What, where do you think is a is the lowest bar to entry for people at this point? Well, definitely one of the highest bars for entry is video. And the reason that video is, is because most people can't overcome that initial fear. Now, the beautiful thing about that is that if you achieve that, then you remove all of that competition. You remove all of those, you know, you are streets ahead already of those people who will never record the first video. Um, when it comes to choosing which method of um, which method of content, well, then ask yourself, what do you, you know, what, what's your personality like? What do you gravitate toward, more towards? You know, I know that there are influencers out there, um, you know, that, you know, they, they, they cannot write to save their lives, but put them in front of the camera and they come alive. On the other hand, there are people who will craft beautiful blogs, but you put them in front of a camera and they will shy away. So it really depends on your personality. Um, I would say the lowest hanging fruit for designers would be Instagram carousel posts because you're in your area of uh, comfort, you know, in terms of your design. Um, and it allows you to kind of flex your content muscles. It allows you to kind of, um, you know, to structure your ideas and thoughts around uh, concepts. Um, and then, you know, if you give yourself those 30 days and create 30 carousel posts, well then, hey, you might be able to turn, turn that into 30 blog posts or 30 videos later on. So you could be doing both. You could be creating those carousel posts. And then in the background, you could be shooting videos. And again, you don't have to post these videos. Even if you give yourself those 30 videos and say, listen, I'm going to do these 30 videos. If I get one or two that I can post out there, I'll be happy. Yeah, and, I, and one of the things that you do, which is take videos and repurpose them incredibly broadly, and that's one of the great things about video is that I think it's one of the mediums that you can repurpose the most broadly. Um, and that's something you keep in mind when you do any kind of content is like how else can I use this? But one of the things mm -hmm. I've been really impressed by with you recently is your, your carousels. I mean, carousels on LinkedIn are kind of a new thing and I think an amazing vehicle for creatives and for strategists and people who can tell a story with images mm -hmm. and text. And so how have, you, how have you been leveraging that? 
I think back to my pillar content, my YouTube videos, and I think, well, you know, is there is there a, a a nugget that I can kind of take from that? Because a lot of my videos, you know, my videos are between ten to twenty minutes long, you know. Um, so you really have to to distill, and this is part of the 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 art of branding as well as distilling something that's broad and complex into something that's extremely simple. So it also helps me to keep that tool sharp, you know, in terms of distilling something that's complex into something simple. So it's really easily digestible. And my rule of thumb there would be, you want to think about the audience and you want to think, are they going to take something of value away from this carousel? Because when I approached social media for the first time, you know, I didn't know much. And I thought that I just needed to be posting content. I just needed to be putting images up there. And, you know, I would put images up there of, you know, my working environment. And I'd be like working hard on on a new project. And, you know, when you think back, there's no real value that somebody can take away from that. Now, that can be part of a longer strategy where you're giving people an insight into your working environment and you're using that to connect. Absolutely. Um, But... In terms of carousel posts, if you're able to package something really valuable up into something that is distilled into a visual 10 slides, and they can, at the end of that, they go, hmm, that was helpful, that was useful, then you know, you've, you've planted a little seed in their mind that, hey, this person over here has got some value. Maybe I'll come back and check out some more of their stuff later on. So that's the rule of thumb. You know, are you giving value? Are you... Are you and think about that person that's six months behind you or five years behind you. What do they not know? And again, you can use your 30 pieces of content that you created and go, okay, well, how could I package up a little carousel where I, I kind of give somebody that little lesson in 10 slides? So that's how I would do that. Um, you know, just think about the, the end goal. And that is what value am I giving from this post? It's really, you know, staying inspired in the world for creative people is always, you know, a challenge, I think. And everybody's always kind of curious as to how I, you know, get inspired, find inspiration. I'd love it if you talked a little bit about that for yourself. So how do you stay inspired, motivated? Where do you find your uh, fuel for, for content or for your creative work? Yeah, and I used to wonder that about you, actually, Philip. When when I saw all of your videos coming out consistently, I was like, "Man, he is he's motivated. He is driven. Where does he get that from?" Um, for me, um, it is the interaction that that I have now with the the people that I'm serving. Now, you know, when when you are crystal clear on the person that you are trying to help. Now, this goes back to what I said before, small business. No, you're not helping small businesses. Who is the person that you're trying to help? You know, And for me, um, and many businesses are created this way. Many businesses are created by the, the business owner coming across a challenge, going through these emotions and these pain points and these difficulties, overcoming that challenge and then going, hey, I know how to do this. You know, I can show other people how to do this. So I'm super connected to who my audience is because that was me. You know, I understand those challenges. And, you know, when I when I hear the the responses that I get from people who are telling me that I'm demystifying this whole world of brand strategy, um, you know, that 
is really, really fulfilling. You know, it, it really is because I remember, you know, when I when I started to look into to brand strategy, it was Marty Newmar that set me on my way back in 2013. I read the brand gap and I was like, this is it. Like this, this is what I want to be doing. And I was like, all right, what's next? I started to, to look for information online and there wasn't much at all. You know, you could find articles that were like, a brand is not a logo. And they didn't really give you much more than that. You tried to find anything on brand strategy and you really couldn't find it. And you had a lot of articles contradicting each other. And, you know, it was, it was a real challenge for me to find something that I could, you know, take into my business that I could actually put to action. So that's what I based Brandmaster Academy off. That's what I based the YouTube channel off. I always think of that end goal. What can somebody take away from this that they can actually implement and take action on today? And when I get that feedback in the YouTube comments, in the Instagram comments, um, and more specifically in the, the private Facebook group, my student group, um, and, and my emails... So I, uh, again, what I was saying to you before, I don't want to let go of that personal connection because a lot of those emails that come through, um, you know, I, I have people telling me that they've transformed their business, that they they used to charge, you know, uh, 1500 for their services. And, you know, now they're getting a $40,000 contract. I had, um, I had a, a, a student here in Australia say that to me recently, or somebody, you know, uh, tripling their income or completely you know, revamping their business and the way they, they do business. So that, that kind of gratitude um, and uh, me feeling that I'm actually impacting the person that I'm crystal clear on who I'm trying to help, that's super fulfilling. Um, and knowing that they are then helping their clients to be more successful with their brand so that that, that trickles down. So that absolutely motivates me. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's quite humbling, and it's 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 given me this this kind of it it gives me this light inside to kind of to to get up and do it every day. So you have uh, the the Brain Master Academy, and you educate people, but you also have an agency and do do agency work. I'd love to hear a little bit about what that agency work is like these days for you, as your other business has kind of grown, and how you manage your time between those. Because that's a struggle that a lot of creative pros have, I think, is how to balance that personal brand building to the client work that they have. Yeah, look, I'm I, I'm in an advantageous position now in that... Um, over the years, I've built relationships with my clients, um, and I, I have my personal brand now, and all my content that's out there in the marketplace. So, you know, I do have, I, I can see the value of that pull marketing as opposed to the push marketing, kind of coming back to me now. And I, I really, I, I do need to to balance that, and it is a challenge. You're absolutely right, it is a challenge because I've got my personal brand, and people come to me, come to me through my personal brand. They want to work directly with me. Um, now I do have a team of people that that help me in the background with the development of those brands, but I really do need to be involved in the meetings, in the workshops, and. I am pretty selective now in terms of how I do that. Um, I am at a point in my agency now where it's kind of waiting on me to grow it. And if all my focus was there, that's exactly what I would be doing. I would be focusing on the systems 
Um, I've got the systems in there, but I'm not expanding the systems. Um, I'm not expanding uh, the team because I'm, I'm balancing where I'm at at the moment. I know long term, um, I will be doing, I will continue to do um, agency work more along the lines of consulting as opposed to execution. I'm still heavily involved in the execution of that work, uh, specifically strategy. Um, but kind of longer term, I will I will look at more of a consultancy role where um, I'm, I'm doing more the advisory and less of the execution and eventually no execution. But I do have some some kind of steady clients that are in there who who and I, I mentioned this to you before who are in the institutional investment space and they're acquiring businesses all the time and they want to rebrand those businesses. So that's kind of a thing where I get to work with the same clients all the time. We know each other. Um, it's it's quite simple. Not as relevant for your your audience, but um, you know, in terms of in terms of balancing the the two things I'm I'm doing, I'm very aware that. To, in order to be very good at one thing and to build something really successful, you need focus. Um, and at the moment, my focus is on Brandmaster Academy. I've got a couple of projects going on in the background, and I do like to keep everything sharp in terms of uh, my strategic skills. You know, it, you know, like anything, if you you could be fluent at a language, and then if you stop speaking that language for you know, six months, you, you'll forget how to speak it. So um, I'm very wary that that is a balancing act. And it's, it's just something that I, uh, that I need to, to keep on top of. But my focus at the moment is very much the, the content that I'm putting out there and doing some very specific projects in the background in my agency. I think it's interesting in terms of your, client, your main client right now, essentially being a venture capital firm that is investing in other companies. And so you've, been, it's, you've niched down without having to niche down, essentially. You're working with one client who acquires other companies that then they rebrand and you help rebrand. So you've niched down to just this venture capital space, but the work that results from that is much broader because the companies are kind of all over the map, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that I was very much going down the road of. Uh, remember I told you um, that I was talking to my friends about what I was doing for strategy and they kept coming back to me. At that point in time, I was, f- I was very much focused on, um, on uh, my, my agency work and I had venture capitalists in my sights. And, and that was something, because I came from the, the, the finance background as well, um, I was I was able to to um, to kind of have those those conversations, but even even for for anybody um, you know with with uh, kind of a, a brand strategy background, you know that would be enough to to go to that group, um, you know to to act as um, you know this this platform that can go in any direction. You know if you're able to set up those individual relationships. And this again comes back down to your um, your differentiation strategy and your personal branding. If you are out there on LinkedIn and you're putting out messages that are targeted towards venture capitalists, and you know the struggles that they go through, and you know you you know the challenges that they have, and you you kind of you know you set the groundwork to to set those relationships up. All you need is one or two, and that can set your business off. You know because they 
have businesses all the time that they are acquiring. And if they are acquiring a business, it's because they like the structure of the business, but it has not been, it has not been run effectively. If they know it hasn't been run effectively and they understand the value of branding, well, then they will go in there and fix the systems and they will want somebody to fix the branding. So um, it's, it's uh, you know, and there are a lot of them out there who don't have these relationships, um, but do value branding and kind of, you know, they, they, they need that go between, they need that person in there to help them. I think that's great. And in, in terms of, you know, finding a client who needs your particular skill set and in instantiating yourself as that provider of the kind of need that they have. And it makes you in, you know, an invaluable business partner within their, within their business. Yeah, absolutely. So do you see any, you know, you're pretty hooked into what's going on out there. So do you see any kind of trends in marketing or what companies are doing in order to cut through or to differentiate that, that you are seeing either in your client work, working with these, these startups or acquired companies or either through your students? Uh, yes. So look, in terms of the platforms and the channels, um, they all come and go, right? Um, you know, but if you have guiding principles in place, um, you can ride any, any marketing wave or marketing trend because you've got the principles, right? So, um, you know, in, in, in terms of, you know, putting yourself out there and getting traction on what brands are doing differently today than they used to be doing, it's really that personal connection. You know, it's, it's that um, bringing the conversation down to, you know, a, a level of normality that is beyond the the corporate overtones and you know, you know, being overly formal, and and this takes a little bit of work. It takes a little bit of work to find your groove. It takes a little bit of work to find your 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 true voice, your unique voice. But when you do find that, and you do have that self confidence to just go out and speak like yourself then you'll find that you're able to have conversations a lot easier. People will gravitate towards what you're saying because you know, you're, not out, you're not doing the push marketing. You're not, you're not uh, structuring your sentences like you're talking to a robot. Um, you know, and the more you're able to sprinkle your personality in there, the more you're able to, go to, to, to be able to make real human connections. And don't be afraid to... Don't be afraid to not be perfect. Nobody wants perfect. If you're perfect and everything's too polished and all your sentences are too structured and you're too corporate or too formal, um, you know, you're, you're not going to feel real. Um, if, on the other hand, you know exactly who your audience is. Now, this is like, I, I come back to this all the time, knowing who that person is. Um, you know, if you're, if you're B2C, it's the consumer. If you're B2B, it's the decision maker. But knowing who that person is, what challenges they're going through and what you can help them out with, and then you know, going into that world and talking about those challenges in a normal voice, um, you know, just, just kind of giving, making them feel like you're this normal person who understands their challenges, understands what they're going through, and kind of making those human connections. So, so yeah, the trend I would say, and, and it's not a new trend, but it's definitely continuing. The more you're able to understand that, the more you're able to grasp that. And some businesses are able to do it a lot better than other businesses. But if you're able to grasp that, if you're able to grasp that we're all humans, um, you know, 
none of us go home and, and sit there and watch TV in a suit. And, you know, we, we're, we're normal. We're normal people. We're, we have normal challenges. We're, none of us are perfect. And if you're able to, to kind of get across that you're normal too, but you understand their challenges and give them that empathy, then you're making real human connections. And when you make real human connections, that's when the doors start to open. I totally, totally agree. It's, you know, I, people do, don't do business with brands. People do business with people. And yeah. we used to have this saying in an agency I used to work at, you want your, you want to be less brand bought and more human because yeah. you really, yeah. you know, the I like more you one. sound like a human and the more kind of, but the, and the hardest thing about this, Stephen, is that companies have a real hard time being vulnerable. They see yeah. it as a sign of weakness or they don't want to make mistakes because they think that, you know, they're, competition will take advantage of them. But what they don't realize yeah, and, and, is that fallibility is actually an attraction. Yeah. And that, that, that word that you use, vulnerability, um, you know, if you're able, to, if you're able to, to take that word, okay, understand who your audience is, give them value, but also give them that vulnerability at the same time. If you know the challenges that they've overcome and you know the pain points that they've gone through and you have an experience that you have gone through the same um, you know, don't be afraid to tell them that you were terrible on, and that you didn't know what you were doing. You know, you're you're an expert now, but you weren't always an expert. And you know, you 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 don't want them. You you're not trying to get them to think that you were always an expert. You weren't an expert when you were 10 years old, or 20 years old, or or possibly even 30 years old. But you can help them now. And if you give them that value, that you know, and and that is that is important that you 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 give them value that you you show them that you understand the challenge but that also you can help but then also give them that vulnerability at the same time then you know that breaks down bar- barriers that vulnerability breaks down barriers far more than perfection absolutely so on the topic of getting a little more personal i always ask my guests a specific question at the end of the interview and that is do you Stephen, have a personal manifesto or a mantra that you try to live your life by you said you were you were gonna ask this to me, and I and I and I and I had one, and and I, I thought about it beforehand, and I realized that that I do actually have a, a, a mantra that I that I hadn't verbalized, and it's relatively new. When I say relatively new, it's it's over the last five years of everything I learned, and and that is empathy, that is understanding. Everybody wants understanding. And everybody wants to be understood. Mm. And you can get caught in the weeds of business. You can get caught of the weeds in the weeds of social media marketing, you know, influencer marketing, you know, uh, putting out content. I need to do this. I need to do that. But you know, if you if you have that that clear understanding, and you go out there with everything you put out there and everything that you do, then we're all just people. We all just want to be understood. I want to be understood. You want to be understood. And if you, and, and that, that goes right throughout your life, right? You know, you think of, of any person that you're closest to, why are you close to them? Because they understand you. And, and you know, because you understand that they understand you, you give them more of yourself. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the more empathy you have to other people around you, then, you know, and, and the more you live by that, then, the more doors are going to open, the more relationships in your personal life you're going to build. Uh, empathy, yeah, that's in the last five years, that's a big thing for me across across my personal life, across my business life. Empathy, you understand 
other person, if you focus on understanding them first, that's, that's, uh, that's gold. Absolutely wonderful. Great, great mantra. So Stephen, where can people find you? Where's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, brandmasteracademy.com or if you're on YouTube, on uh, don't go now because you're on Philip Van Dusen's channel on YouTube, <laughs> but Brandmaster Academy <laughs> on YouTube, you'll find me on there. Um, they're the two main channels. And, um, and yeah, you can, get, you can get content on the blog, you can get content on the YouTube channel. They're probably the best two. Well, Stephen Horgan, thank you so much for joining us on Brand Design Masters podcast. I really appreciate your sharing your insights with us today. And thanks so much for having me, Philip, again. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.